Hi there, Dave Levine here. Thanks for joining me today for episode number 19 of the Sports Stories podcast. This episode is number four of a series of five with the straight-talking, insightful and at times controversial cricketer, Mr Paul Smith. From previous episodes with Paul, you will be aware of the great people he has worked with and been coached by, and also he has had many highs and lows within his career. Today's episode, I'm delighted to touch on a really important issue surrounding mental health and well-being. It is such an important aspect of our lives, and I'm really looking forward to hearing Paul's perspective. So let's crack on with the podcast, and let me introduce once again today's special guest, former cricketer and now author, Mr Paul Smith. So Paul, we're sat here at Edgbaston Cricket Club. I would like us to address a really, really important uh, and current topic of uh, mental health in sport uh, and also leading on to where does that take us in terms of cricketers and, and, and performers' um, life after sport? You know, how does their mental health uh, be affected? What's next for them? And a minute ago, we were also talking a little bit around suicide and, you know, cricket having a very high suicide rate. What's, what's your thoughts? Um, well, if you play professional sport, you'll retire twice in your adult life. Um, you know, you, you, I played for 16 years and by 32 I'd had enough. Right. Um, and from there, you, got, you know, you work out what you're going to try and do with the rest of your life. Right. Um, people, people lose their careers through injury. People uh, lose a career they thought they were going to have. And, you know, sort of they start off the first couple of years, do well. And within three years later, they're released and they can't get another club. Right. Some people can have very successful careers. And then when, when the career is over, anything else that they're involved in seems semi-pointless. Right. Now, whether that is an ego thing, whether that's just something that doesn't, light their fire as much as the thing they once did uh, I don't know um, but what I do know is that professional cricket has the highest success success and the highest um, suicide rate of any right. any of the sports right. um, why would you say that is I think that this generation of players get a huge amount of advice about what they might do when their careers finish and they get that as an ongoing process through their playing career um, we didn't get that, so when we finished playing, quite literally, that was that. Um, there may be a few people that, you know, people would always say, or, you know, always keep a business card of every person you ever meet. Well, if that was the case, it would be as high as a block of flats. Right. <laughs> I don't mean to say it's going to help. Yeah. Um, I think the key is you have to work out what you want to do with the rest of your life. And you say, do you want to work indoors, you want to work outdoors? You want to work in IT, you want to drive a van, you want to be a man in a suit who sells Mars bars for Mars, you want to go up and down motorways trying to flog things for, for a company you don't believe in, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay in sport? Do you want to coach at your local club and try and find a job somehow? What do you want to do? And most people, if they're honest, would say they don't know what they want to do. Mm. Um, so I think that the suicide figures probably stem from generation obviously before this one i can't remember the the last cricketing suicide but it wouldn't have been that long back in real terms yeah, yeah. um how do you fill the void yeah you know i mean it, it, as i say sometimes it gets a little bit frustrating when people refer to you as the cricketer when you're no longer a cricketer you haven't been a cricketer for over 20 odd years and yet that's how people tag you Right. They never, you know, I could say, well, I'm an author. I've written since yeah. I was 24. 
I speak at functions, I do this, I do that, I've worked in community. So they gave you the identity of a, of a so cricketer. So the cricketer, the cricketer is the identity. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the key to it is it's very difficult to stay within the sport because there's only so many jobs. Yeah. And those many of the people who work within cricket uh, are desperate to stay within cricket. So they wouldn't really want you challenging their position. PCA, Professional Cricket Association, are much better now at working with players post and present yeah. uh, as to have a more uh, to have a future with more harmony if you like yeah. um, things that, like the support mechanisms I know they run courses where people come in and give talks and they try and funnel people in different directions I think there's an option there if you go to them with a if you say I want to be a stonemason on the deep end of a uh, far end of Scotland I'm sure the PCA would, <laughs> would help you they would yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the key is you have to know what you want to do um, or you certainly have to know what you don't want to do okay so knowing what you don't would be helpful well I think that, that, I think for, for someone like me it's uh, that is pivotal um, it, because don't try and train me in a field that I don't want to be in mm -hmm. because I might turn up on Monday but I'm not sure I'll be there Tuesday afternoon and, and I've wasted your time I've wasted your money and my heart was never in the first place. Mm. So you're better off to say the harsh statement before you even set foot there. Mm -hmm. So, but which then goes back to what you want to do when you finish playing cricket. Um, uh, things like support mechanisms, <coughs> excuse me, from a mental health point of view, yeah. are really really good. Um, where if you contacted the PCA and said, I think I've got a problem. There is a referral um, system in place where, okay. if the prob if the issue is such, you can you can speak to people in Harley Street. You'll be referred to someone who works in the field who's linked to Harley Street, and people will try and talk players through whatever that issue might be. Some of it is heartbreaking. Uh, some of it is self-inflicted. Some of it people have fallen into issues, problems, whatever it would be. The support mechanisms are there. Um, so I think the PCA now... Have you engaged with the PCA over time as a member of the sort of community? I've spoken to PCA have helped me at different times. Yeah, um, okay. At the end of my career, whilst I was putting the building blocks in place, there were certain issues in my private life that I needed to address. And they were going to take up part of my time where I needed... In order for me to work in the fields that I wanted to work in, I needed an element of stability. So what the PCA did with me is, if there was any creditors, if there were mortgage issues to be um, addressed, yeah. uh, they would make sure that the difficult conversations where you might not have skills to pick up a phone to a mortgage company and say, listen, I know I'm in arrears for three months, yeah. but uh, there are other people who would pick up a phone on your behalf and they would have done it a million times for a million different people. Okay. Um, you know, It could be anything. So Paul, coming towards the end of your career, how did you work out where you wanted to go next and manage your kind of mental health around that difficult time but changing towards the end of my career I knew I didn't want to be here so once I knew I didn't want to be here and I knew that I achieved everything that I'd actually set out to do I was then twiddling my thumbs the one the difference between me the, my position then is I actually had a good amount of cash which meant that I could go to the States and spend time in Houston I could go okay. and do this I could explore this 
as I said earlier, you know, some people go and they talk about student debt. Yeah. So if you got 50 grand's worth of debt after three years at university, I'd have taken 50 grand's worth of debt because my debt, it cost me much more to get the education I had. But yeah, yeah. the education that I had has stood me instead and take me into lots of different fields from which I've learned and earned. And even if I couldn't earn from it by doing the manual work hands-on, um, I can write about it and earn or speak about it and earn. Okay. Um, so your learning, I'm hearing, is you, it was exposing yourself to lots of different environments. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and so, if you want to if you want to know, if you think you can go and do good work in this field, in this area, in this part of the world, um, in order to weigh it all up, it's almost like a fact finding mission. Uh, and you can you work out and say, well, how long is it gonna how long is it gonna take? What's it gonna cost? Uh, da, 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 and then work out whether it was feasible. And and, and as long as it wasn't extortionate. Um, I would just go and do it and go and hang out and see what it was and work out whether I could actually play a part in it. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, it's a matter of, as you say, how could you fund it? This is where something like the ICC would be disappointing because they only know what they know. Right. If you, if you go with different ideas, um, in effect, you need a sponsor because the system won't support it. You need a sponsor, someone who sees what this is all about and whatever they would get from that, that was their business, but what they needed to do was to put money in the pot. Right. Um, but to go back to your point about things like mental health, yeah. um, the PCA would be, would be very good at that and someone like Marcus Triscothic would be the, one of the first guys that came out and spoke about issues that were affecting him yeah. and effectively finished his international career uh, and he managed to get through it and play for another decade for his home team of Somerset. Um, but you know, there'll be other people, people who've lost members of family, without naming them, you know, terrible situations that yeah. arose where there's no way you're going to get through that without someone getting you through it. Um, but all sorts of things that the PCA, PCA are, are much better now than they were, but as I go back, and it's not a criticism of them because I'd say of any organisation, there's a better system waiting to be put in place. What advice would you give to individuals who are, are driving this journey and are conscious about their own mental health? And you know, you, you've been through a really um, varied up and down career with loads of highs and lows where your, your mental health and well-being has been challenged. Um, so what advice would you give to somebody that's kind of in this place? Uh, I would say... <laughs> Uh, depending on what the circumstances were and, and, and who they were, yeah. um, I would always say, I mean, I speak to people who, uh, I speak, I've spoken to loads of players um, yeah. over a 20 year period, um, where they wouldn't speak to the players union because they feared that, the play, that it would then spread like wildfire, that yeah. they had issues which may affect their earning capacity, get another contract or whatever it would yeah. be. Yeah. Um, I think now, in 2020, if I was a professional cricketer and I felt I had issues, I would speak to the PCA and ask to be referred to someone in Harley Street. Right. And as simple as, you don't have to tell the PCA what it's actually about, you could just say, I think I need to speak to someone, can you refer me please? And if they say, can you tell us what it's about, just say, no, that's why I want to speak to someone about it. Yeah. And, some, and somebody outside of the cricket world? 
you know, what, what would be the parallel to the PCA? Samaritans, yeah. Yeah, Samaritans, I mean, uh, the Samaritans to a certain degree, um, God, there's, there's, the thing is, with, there's so many cuts um, yeah. where places that you could go for uh, impartial advice, free advice, or whatever, some, a lot of those things have closed down. Yeah. Um, but what I, I guess what I'm hearing is, though, is you're suggesting that people go and look for impartial advice. You know, go and talk to somebody who's not going to judge them, who might help them with whatever's going on for them in their world. And there'll be different agencies that can provide this, yeah. whether in the sport world or, or without. Uh, and if you, if you talk about, if you are a sports man or sports woman, and it doesn't, obviously it doesn't affect just men, because yeah. there, are, there are examples, you know, within women's sport where it's, things have become too much for various reasons. Um, you see, I wouldn't talk to people in sport right. uh, about personal issues because they're involved in sport. Okay. Uh, you know, if if I wanted to if if I wanted to speak to someone about a serious issue, I'd go speak to a shrink in Harley Street. Right. Um, because that's what they're trained to do. Yeah. Uh, they're they're not judgmental, um, and I'm sure they've seen worse versions of you walk through the door. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of issues <clears throat> are semi-trivial. Uh, in the cold light of day, but they can be the different, you know, people have done some daft things, people have taken their life over things that, if, when people say, if they'd only said, yeah, yeah. but people don't say, um, you just find out about it afterwards, yeah. uh, or the problem gets worse and worse and worse, and what could have been nipped in the bud, but no one ever said anything, it becomes a huge problem, and, and then it's all over. And I'm picking up a parallel, I guess, in terms of the working world or the outside of the sport world, is that actually you found a real value in, in speaking to somebody that wasn't in your world, that um, had you, your agenda at heart, and actually you spoke to them or, or you would recommend people to speak about things which might have felt small but could actually be very big in your world. Yeah. What is, what is a small issue, what is a, what is a major issue in one person's life can be as simple as a telephone call to put this right for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that's the difference between feeling lost mm -hmm. and having the confidence to pick up a phone. Because sometimes the hardest thing of the lot is to pick up a phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit like, you know, the hardest thing of the lot is to walk across a bar and say to a girl, can I buy you a drink? Yeah because otherwise people end up looking at each other all night and then going home separately or, or whatever. Um, when in fact you find that sometimes you have a huge amount in common with that person. Yeah. Uh, and that person could change your life. They could absolutely destroy it as well. Yeah, yeah. So it then comes down <laughs> to your ability to work out what the crack is. Um, but if it's a mental health issue, and the support systems are in place. I mean, there's support, there's telephone lines, people can ring. Um, it's obviously been looked at very seriously. Um, a fairly substantial amount of money has been allocated for mental health and for obvious yeah. reasons, because you can't have people taking their lives over what certain people would class as trivial. But it's not trivial for those that are going through it. Uh, and everyone has breaking points. Yeah. Uh, and everyone has constant reminders. I think the key is identifying the trigger points that cause these problems to raise their heads. Um, and, and, once the, and, and once 
what makes these things kick in and, and they're not easy to explain yeah. um, though that would be something that would be drawn out of people over time depending on the seriousness of what was sat in front of these experts it's music to my ears really hearing you talk in that way because I guess the, a lot of the work that I do is around talking to people to try and understand it and it's never easy to or it's never easy to get there quickly to find out exactly what those trigger points are you know sometimes they're they take some uncovering a story that I often share would be you know we've often taken 30 40 50 years to learn strategies to manage our life so unlearning or unpicking them might take some time so hearing you talk about that you know looking for that root cause or looking for the underpinning issues is really key mm -hmm. honesty is um <laughs> honesty doesn't come easy well put it this way i think it's i think that if you have someone with an issue sat in front of someone who's a complete stranger but is respected because they work in harley street and they're obviously good at what they do it's easier for someone to say what their issues are um how to get to the to the how to get to the direct root of the problem and then how to rectify it so that those trigger points because I, I think that if you talk to a psychologist what you what you're actually taught is how to deal with things that will happen for the rest of your life yeah that would be my interpretation of it yeah, yeah your memories of whatever this event was or these events were or these people or whatever there are constant reminders all around you. Um, so it's, it would be unreasonable to think that just a few conversations or many conversations with a, with a, with a psychologist is gonna get, is gonna almost like wipe the tape so you never think about it ever yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. So it's what, what are the trigger points and how that person could react to it yeah. to get to almost like to sort of wipe their brow that's gone again and, and away you go it, because all that would actually happen if you can't get to that point then yeah. you just cannot focus you can't concentrate um, and in many people's eyes you, you know you you're unworkable yeah and I, I strongly believe you don't you don't ever you can't get rid of it but it, it's getting to know it and understand it and appreciate that's it that's a good way of would, saying it would, um, would be a way of taking it forward and I, I, I love your um, sort of story in terms of actually then how do we work with this going forward for the rest of our lives because mm -hmm. we are where we are and how do we go forward which leads me on to ask about kind of in terms of mental health probably more about mental well-being so how how would you suggest or advise or what tips do you have for um, having a good mental health you know your well-being how would you look after yourself or what advice would you give to others um. I would say take regular breaks. Right. Yeah. Um, if I was if if I was feeling a bit um, either under pressure yeah. or if I felt I would just go walk the beaches of Northumberland. Okay. Yeah. Jump in a car and go. Yeah. Uh, and and those that either love me or rely on me. Yeah. Uh, would just have to accept the fact that dad's dad's <laughs> gone for a couple gone for of a days. Walk. <laughs> um, whatever i think that we live we live in we live in a society where well we live in great britain it's got some of the most fantastic terrain in the world yeah um most beautiful beaches we've got everything here and yet people just <laughs> live in cars offices go home go to pubs go to restaurants yeah. uh, and they're the ones who are lucky who've yeah, got jobs who've got mortgages houses 
and can afford to go to pubs. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of other people who can't afford any of that. Um, so why we should consistently hang around the same parish or the same city or whatever. Yeah. I know we got commitments, I know we got kids, I got four kids. Yeah. Um, uh, however, the best way to look after others is to look after yourself, I believe. Um, but that's something that you actually have to learn. Uh, how people do it. I, I would say regular, take regular breaks because life's stressful enough as it is and if there are contributing factors that would make you be challenged in day-to-day -day life then a complete change of scenery will do you as probably more good than a, than a conversation and many, and many professional people would say go walk the beach. Mm. I really like the idea of the fresh air and getting out and seeing the, the beautiful terrain that we have around here and I hear that it's one of the strong kind of strategies you use to looking after yourself and just to, to wrap us up today I'd like us all to go away actually from the, the discussions we've had thinking about our well-being and actually how do we look after ourselves who do we speak to what is our support network because the well-being seems to be actually really key because everything we've talked about over the series of conversations we've had has had a, a, a very technical or a tactical aspect in terms of cricket but more crucially, I think there's had a lot about the psychology and the mind and how that's played out in terms of living and performing as a, as a parent, as a, as a friend, as a cricketer, or as a, a member of the public, really. Mm. So I'm just wanting to not lose sight of the power of, of psychology and our personal well-being. What we have between our ears, our brain, is an incredible, is an incredible beast, yeah. uh, which, you, you know, you can... There are people who, it, it, it's not about money, there are people who've got fortunes, who've got real mental health problems, mm -hmm. there are people who've got nothing, who live very peaceful lives. Yeah. Um, how you could actually find a balance in everyone's life. Some people, people have got to want to help themselves and sometimes helping themselves is asking for help. Yeah. That's first, mm -hmm. that's first base from there. <laughs> You know, you then have to go and sit in front of someone who's a total stranger. Um, sometimes it's easier to write down what the issues are because someone can't talk about it. Right, yeah. Um, whatever it takes, people express themselves in different ways. I've got a pal who's a, who's a brilliant painter who paints in his most saddest times of life. That's his therapy. Yeah. Because his only other option is what I wouldn't want to have the phone call about and that is yeah. he's done it um, so how people keep busy how people keep active how people keep uh, on a level playing field in all these challenging environments uh, and circumstances that throw at us and get thrown at us in life we should talk more we should talk more we really we really should talk more yeah um, and the more doors that are open, the better. We can't moan about uh, mental health if we're closing down so many places of advice because of funding costs. You know, we can't, not everyone can go and sit outside the doctor's surgery because the doctor has only so many hours in the day as the rest of us. And in between time, he's trying to treat people with, um, with, Physical illness, where you know people, you can actually think with mental health, as we as we obviously know, is you can look at someone and they look fine. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, if, if someone comes, if you're a doctor and someone comes in with poor skin, you could treat them for acne. Yeah. Or if they come in with something else, you can treat them for something. With mental health, I think it's a very, very fine line. I would rather say, go for long walks, try and get as much peace and quiet as possible, and stay away from prescription drugs, because a lot of the prescription drugs make the problem worse. Um, don't drink alcohol because alcohol will make it worse. Don't do this, don't do that because that will make it worse. Um, sometimes you have to meet people halfway. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever works. Yeah. Um, you know, and we live in it. I try and imagine what it must have been like at the end of the First World War and the end of the Second World War because you get people who obviously get, you know, soldiers who get post traumatic stress. Yeah. Um, and it can raise its head 15 years later after an event has taken place. And, and the thing is, if it raises its head, all it's actually taught is, a, is, a, is, is, a, is, to, is to get that person to a situation where they're more stable and know how to deal with the triggers that are going to come, that people know are going to come. Um, and if you talk about the homeless situation, I mean, uh, we did a lot of work in, in America with homeless people, yeah. a lot of Vietnam veterans, um, it was explained to me, both there and in this country, that the companionship of those that live on the streets is not dissimilar to a military, Right. you know, people are street soldiers, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and people you know, sort of like get their head down in whatever environment they find themselves, and that's homelessness for you. It just happens to be there are similarities within the military, and I know people who, I've worked with people who were in the military who suffer with post-traumatic stress. Um, yeah. And if you are gonna, if you sign up to serve your country, whoever you sign up for has gotta look after you, knowing in the safe knowledge that for what you're gonna get put through, there can't just be a case of you are no longer in the army 15 years later and then see you later because there's bound to be situations that are going to arise um, and the suicide rate is too high one is too many so sport you know good luck to it, it, it it's doing everything it can it's trying to learn from its past uh, and i'm sure it's trying to find a better method but if you talk about my players union the professional cricket association that is a massive, massive forward movement, and there's obviously someone like Jason Ratcliffe was very inspirational. Yeah, um, yeah. Ratus was key to that; he fought for that, um, and people now see the worth of it. And there's many people who've gone through it and will be going through it right as we speak now. Yeah. Um, and I think I would add to that in the wider work that I do in other sports that the uh, the mental well-being or the mental health agenda is is much higher, which is fantastic news. There's some really good work going on, but I, I think it's it's an area which, whether it was there before and it's only come to light more so now, I, I don't know, but it, it is absolutely crucial because, as you say, one, one suicide's too many. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think sharing the stories that you've shared today, I think, is, is just another little contributor towards other people understanding a little bit about themselves feeling brave about going to have those conversations which yeah. I think is a key message and and the last message for me which I would like to give to the people who have listened to your story and the conversations we've had is if, if nothing else um, talk more you, you need know, to talk I, I, I believe that there's a better future if you communicate and if I think, if I think about my own life yeah um, 
the better the communication in the sporting environment that I was, uh, the better the results. Uh, you know, whether you win trophies or not, there, there was a very obvious yeah. improvement in performance. <laughs> Um, and there was a very big improvement in us as people yeah. um, and that was visual that is sport but I mean you know the ability to pick up a phone and speak to people yeah. or the ability to sit in front of people or the ability to put your hand up and say you know what I'm thinking I'm struggling here yeah. um, I think people are more perceptive they're more receptive to uh, how can I help yeah. even in these day and age, this day and age where budgets are cut as I say, uh, you will find that there are people who are there to help. And as I say, as West Hatcher are talking now, there will be a professional cricketer or a professional rugby player or a professional this, and we're just talking sport, yeah. um, who will be going through the mire uh, and won't, it won't, the, won't, the time won't be right for them to say, can you help me please? Well, what, what we will do after the show is put on the notes from today's discussion some access to some organisations that would be able to, you know, be engaged to talk around some of these key issues, which I think is a really important point. There are many, and we will list one or two of them. Um, but I do, again, want to just parallel your comment there about actually, it's not just the, the, the talking aspect has been really powerful for me in terms of helping you perform at your best. It help you perform at your best in cricket mm. but actually I'd like to parallel it to everyone in terms of actually by talking more having more meaningful purposeful conversations we can perform best in our lives 100% you, you completely transform your life um, completely transform the, the lives of those that you care for and those around you um, it's when people don't communicate yeah. that the real issues arise yeah. I believe yeah. um, and when things drift when people say, I never saw it coming, yeah. it's all over, it's too late. There's no, there's no harm in saying, are you all right? Just reach out. There you go. Yeah. Well, on that note, once again, Paul, thank you ever so much for being so open, honest, sharing your stories, allowing us to have a, a really purposeful, meaningful conversation. And, and I sincerely hope that we do make a difference to some of the people that are listening into to what we've all together today so once again thank you ever so much no problem so there we have it yet another honest heartfelt and insightful conversation with paul around the broad subject of mental health it is such an important subject in both ensuring the well-being of individuals as well as helping them perform to a high level i particularly liked the link paul made when he said teams and organizations that talk more and communicate better will often achieve good results i also take from this that the engaging in supporting and promoting positive mental well-being does have a positive effect on results in whatever environment you are working within. As always, the conversation has raised many areas of reflection and question for me, and I would like to pose the following to you. Who do you talk to when you're not feeling great? And also, what are the signals you notice in those around you when they require somebody to talk to as their mental well-being is not good? I do hope you find the questions useful to consider I would love to hear any of your reflections and how you manage your mental health. Please leave a review or comment on any of the usual social media platforms. This helps engage new listeners and also really helps them see the value of the podcast. On the theme of helping listeners, we also have some new resources being available in the next month or so. Keep a lookout on our Sports Stories website, which is at www.sportstories247.com. 
and also keep an eye out on the social media platforms. So to finish off with you today, I'd like to thank you for joining me and also encourage you to keep talking and listening as this is shown to be a great for both your mental well-being as well as others. Enjoy your week and I look forward to you being with me on the Sports Stories podcast for another brilliant guest next week.